Voice of St. Louis original podcast. This is the St. Louis All Local Podcast. Here are today's stories from the KMOX Newsroom. Today is Thursday, April 20th. I'm Megan Lynch. I'm Debbie Monterey. And I'm Tom Ackerman. A prominent local defense attorney says the effort to remove Kim Gardner from office is warranted. Defense attorney Scott Rosenblum says the backlog of cases, the missed deadlines, the failure to share evidence with defense teams in the circuit attorney's office is something that we have never seen before. And and what's frustrating um, to me, it has absolutely nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with gender. It has to do with competence and her most ardent supporters if they would take a hard look at who the victims are in this case they're members of their community the gardner case has been set for trial tentatively in september unless the judge okays a pending gardner motion to throw it out kevin colleen came wax news pay increases for police and firefighters along with significant cost increases for garbage and recycling pickup means more than a 7% increase in St. Louis City spending for the fiscal year. City Budget Director Paul Payne says the deal to boost police and fire pay will cost the city about $25 million. He presented those numbers to the Board of Estimate and Apportionment yesterday as the city moves toward finalizing the budget. He had some good news too. City revenues through the third quarter were on pace to exceed expectations with sales, hotel, and restaurant tax revenues up along with payroll taxes. Inform your decision. Election News. It is April 20th, and the April 4th election is finally over in Belleville. St. Clair County Elections says the seven-vote lead for former city council member Lillian Schneider will stand after the mail-in ballot deadline passed Tuesday. There was just one ballot to arrive, so Schneider defeats Kurt Daesh and returns to her old seat representing Belleville's first ward. There are questions about election integrity in the Metro East. A losing candidate for East St. Louis mayor is claiming possible election fraud. Marie Franklin says she witnessed the counting of mail-in ballots Tuesday for the April 4th election, and many of the signatures did not match up. Franklin says election officials were comparing the wrong signatures until she pointed it out. We gotta say something. This thing is bad. This The process is bad. The whole thing is bad, which is why we keep getting these career uh, family politicians in office that do nothing for the citizens. East St. Louis election director Candrice Mosby says she's confident her office conducted the polling properly. Councilman Charles Powell III beat Mayor Robert Eastern III, according to Tuesday's final tally. Sean Michael Lyle, KMOX News. Three St. Louis residents have been indicted in Florida for election interference and spreading Russian propaganda. They're associated with the Uhuru Center in South St. Louis that was raided by the FBI last summer. Omali Yeshitela and two associates, along with a fourth American and three Russians, are charged with sowing discord and acting as agents for the Russian government. Yeshitela released a statement saying he looks forward to his day in court. From the KMOX Business Desk, the economics of youth sports tournaments. Caravans of families with money to spend crisscrossing the map every weekend for the next big game. Corey Job of the Great Rivers and Roots Tourism Bureau is challenging Madison County to build it, and they will come. We could, if we had an indoor facility um, uh, with 8 to 12 courts, we could book it every weekend, uh, all weekends of the year. Um, that's This could get really big. 
Job says it could mean millions of dollars in tax revenue as visiting families spend money on food, hotels, and shopping. Traffic stops can go awry quickly, and that's what happened Tuesday in two separate incidents in St. Louis that ended in fatalities. Tuesday afternoon, St. Louis police were conducting traffic enforcement on Interstate 70 at Salisbury when a police officer clocked a car doing at least 80 miles an hour. The officer attempted to conduct a vehicle stop on a speeding vehicle, which fled from the officer and eventually exited the interstate at Adelaide, violated a red electric signal and struck a tractor trailer that was proceeding through the intersection. St. Louis Police Captain Latricia Allen says the female died at the scene. Then, Tuesday night, Sergeant Charles Wall says Mobile Reserve tried to stop a reckless driver on Theodosia. Three young men were in the car, including the 25-year-old driver. The Jeep at one point stopped where two passengers fled from the vehicle, uh, one of which discarded a pistol and made good his escape. And the other one was eventually taken into custody after her foot pursuit. Police called in air support during the pursuit to track the car, but the driver continued on after the tires were spiked. He jumped out of the moving car at Forest Park in Union, but the car ran over him and he died Wednesday morning. Maria Kina, KMOX News. This is Kevin Killeen with more on police chases. St. Louis County NAACP President John Bauman is hoping the city and county will both sign off on a new police chase policy for the region. Bauman says it spells out the way a chase ought to be. When a chase should start and when it should end, as well as use technology, something like an amber alert to let people know there's a chase in the vicinity. Bauman says they had an agreement in principle after the new chase policy was drafted by a mediator from the Department of Justice. But now he says they're waiting for the new St. Louis police chief to show his support. Kevin Killeen, KMOX News. The Missouri House approved a requirement Wednesday that employers use the federal e-verify system to assure new hires are legal to work in the U.S. Democrat Donna Beringer of St. Louis City supported the bill, noting it puts the burden on companies, not applicants. The consequences were on the businesses. And when you have immigrants that are being taken advantage of, I think the businesses should be held accountable. The bill heads to the Senate. If it becomes law, E-Verify will be required as of January 1st. Missouri State Representative Ian Mackey of St. Louis has a bill that would limit out-of-school suspensions for kids up to third grade. For both black children who are suspended at a higher rate than their white peers, as well as children with disabilities who are suspended at a higher rate, um, the, the, it's, it's over 100 days on average more that black students are suspended than white students. It is an astronomical disparity. Mackey says it's not a suspension ban, but he wants to move away from zero tolerance, especially when behavior is not violent. KMOX goes in-depth. In school districts across the St. Louis region, private companies are being handed your child's digital backpack. Schools are paying tens of thousands in taxpayer dollars to outside tech firms to monitor what students do online. Is it keeping children safe, or is it sacrificing kids' privacy and long-term security? Now the conclusion of our series, S is for Surveillance. They're high-tech hall monitors sweeping through the corridors, alert to students' online movement, watching where students go, listening to what's being said, on guard for suspicious behavior. Many educators are passionate supporters. A lot of it is helping us put out fires before anything even happens. 
Richard Hirsch is a former school resource officer, now director of safety and security for Bloomington, Illinois schools. Bloomington is home to Gaggle, one of the major players in online student surveillance. I have my phone near my bed every night. I get Sometimes I'll get Gaggle alerts at 3 in the morning. Hirsch considers it a safety net. I could at least name three or four incidents where it was threats of suicide and the kids had plans in place. They had a date. We were able to get them help. He tells KMOX it's also been used by the district to flag students who might be a harm to others. We've gotten a couple kids that have just had an unhealthy passion for guns and they're researching guns on their school computer. The websites of student monitoring companies are full of banners and bold text showing detection stats and real life stories of tragedies averted. We really empathize with schools. Schools have a lot going on. Rachel Franz of the nonprofit Fair Play says she's not convinced that online surveillance is the answer. We really need to rethink this idea that we need to know every single thing that our kids are doing every moment. Instead of school being a safe place where kids can learn from mistakes. It normalizes this idea that you know, if you make a mistake, it may haunt you for the rest of your life because it's being recorded and there's record of it. France is concerned about who has access to those records on children. Many of the monitoring platforms say they rely on human moderators or monitors to screen the most sensitive alerts. There's not really clear safety information about what these moderators can and can't do with this data and with these materials that they're receiving. So there's so much room for a possible leakage. Privacy was a key concern highlighted in a U.S. Senate investigation of student monitoring platforms. The final report concluded parents aren't being given enough information about privacy risks, not from their school districts and not from the online surveillance companies profiting from taxpayer dollars. What does happen to all the data? I asked Elizabeth Laird with the Center for Democracy and Technology. Should I have to worry as a parent that somewhere on a server or in a cloud, there's a whole data set on my children. I think it is very fair to ask about how long this information is being kept and what are the sort of allowed uses of it. And just to take it even further, you talked about it being used on the cloud, but let's pick up on that example of, you know, something is, is flagged because there's a concern that, you know, your child might harm someone else. And that's then shared with law enforcement. How long do they get to keep that? Do they get to only use it for um, that specific purpose? Or down the line, um, if they have another interaction with your child, can that information also be used against them? I researched questions about data storage. The short answer, it depends on the company your district hires. Some say they delete children's sensitive data every 30 days, more often if requested. Others keep data on students until they graduate. And as we've told you, beyond your local school officials, information about your kids could be shared with law enforcement, third-party service providers, and company moderators who don't even know your child. You've listened to our reports about online student surveillance, and you're wondering what's next for your family. Can you opt out? So we consider that an accommodation. Parkway's Jason Rook says that's something that would require a lot of discussion on a case-by-case basis. If your student's curriculum and learning is tied to a device, it's going to be tough. What can we do to make sure that we're not putting the student at a disadvantage in the classroom? 
Rooks maintains technology is simply a tool. It is just another resource. Your scissors, your pencil, your paper, your Chromebook, all of those pieces that are part of your learning day. Critics like former educator Emily Churkin, known as the Screen Time Consultant, aren't convinced. So I see that there's a liability CYA thing going on here for school districts where they're protecting themselves as they knowingly invest in problematic technology. If you're concerned or simply want to know more, here are some recommendations. Check your school handbook and website for information related to technology and privacy. KMOX News discovered that in many cases, you will have to go to administrators directly to get specifics about the monitoring software in use. It's also important to ask questions about what happens with your child's data, such as what's being tracked online, what information is saved, and who has access. One last thought, how do you talk to your kids about something that you likely never dealt with as a student yourself? Even the advocacy groups we spoke with were uncertain how to help families navigate. How do you know as a parent and how do you sort of help your child know what is appropriate and inappropriate? What will be flagged and what will be flagged? For more information and resources about online student monitoring, plus each of our stories in this series, go to KMOX.com. St. Louis All Local is produced by the KMOX News Team. Subscribe to the All Local on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.